Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candice Lamb. Our topic tonight is how to forgive what feels unforgivable. It's been months that I have been thinking over this topic because forgiveness is really such a linchpin to growth and so many other things. Forgiveness is not easy. And although it's a regular topic of conversation within the faith community, it really impacts all of us, probably in more ways than we care to admit. So get ready, grab your pen, grab your journal, grab your notebook, whatever it is, because this is gonna be something that you are going to wanna take notes and sit with, trust me. My guest tonight, Najia Alexander, affectionately known as Pastor Gia, hails all the way from New Jersey. She is a pastor, She is a two-time author and she is the president of Project Me, a nonprofit organization that provides social services, community development, and educational programs for at-risk and indigent children, adults, and families. Please help me welcome Pastor Gia. Pastor Gia, welcome. Hello, hello, (laughs) Pastor Candice. Thank you, thank you for having me today. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Listen, I am so excited to have you tonight. I know this conversation is going to be so, so good. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it. As you know, our topic is how to forgive what feels unforgivable. In our prep time, Pastor Gia, you asked a question that I thought was so great, and it's going to be the bedrock of our conversation tonight. And that is, what is forgiveness? What is it? What is it? So, Pastor Gia, what say you? (laughs) Forgiveness is the conscious, deliberate, on purpose decision to release feelings of resentment, wanting revenge towards the person, persons, thing, God, (laughs) who we feel have harmed us or Mm -hmm. have harmed us, regardless of whether we feel they deserve it or not. Forgiveness. First of all, thank you for giving that definition, because I think it's so important for us to be on the same page. Like we talked about during our prep conversation, that we use the same words, but we have different meanings. So I can say, I forgive you, and I mean one thing, and then you can say, I forgive you, and you mean something completely different. Yeah. So yeah. we we just want to centralize everybody. We want to synchronize watches. <laughs> Forgiveness is a conscious decision. It's a deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. It's the back end. It's the back end of that thing that... (laughs) 
It's like, other people, they deserve it, right? I think that's the hard part. It's like, why should I forgive someone of something that they don't deserve forgiveness for? And then, God forbid, they don't even ask for forgiveness. They don't even acknowledge that they harmed me or that they wronged me. Why should I forgive them? You know? Yeah. Like we're taught to ask for things. If you want something, ask for it. So you didn't ask for forgiveness. I don't have to give it to you. I don't have to give you what you didn't ask for. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you don't deserve it, you could ask for it all you want, but I'm not going to give it to you because you're, you're not deserving. So there are so many things that we use as almost like an escape clause. Like I'll forgive Mm -hmm. you if this happens, if this happens, if this, but if this, if this is it, don't even, don't even bother. Right. Yeah. Don't even bother. So one of the other things that we were talking about is that though this definition is pretty extensive in terms of how it defines forgiveness, we also find that people like to camp out in the gray. And so we may say, I'm not angry anymore, or I'm not resentful of of the person who hurt me anymore, but we camp out in indifference. So I don't care either way. They could live, they could die, they could do whatever they want to do. I'm not interested. And I think sometimes because we shift over to indifference, we check the box of forgiveness. And I'm not so sure that we have actually achieved it. Mm-hmm. I think we sometimes settle with creating distance, right? So creating distance from that situation and because it's not close to me, because I don't see that person, because I don't have to interact with that, I will label that as forgiveness, right? But it's like, that's not forgiveness. That's a form of abstaining from something. Like I've just separated myself from that place and that's not the picture of forgiveness, right? That's not the picture of understanding. Like I really forgave this matter. I just created space, Mm -hmm. right? And I created enough space that I don't have to be confronted with that, them, that feeling or what have you, you know? So in that area, like you said, of indifference, it's like, you know, you over there, I'm over here and I don't have to be bothered with you. And we'll say that that's forgiveness, but that's not forgiveness. That's just space. I remember there was a time in my life where I was, you want to talk about a master of creating space? (laughs) I could create some space. And I was going from one corner to the next court. Listen, from one side of the city to the next side of the city, from one side of the room to the next side of the room, (laughs) I'm going to find some space and I'm going to create it. Okay. I'm going to call it forgiveness, but I'm going to create these spaces. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day there was just this thing in my heart that was like, you cannot run from everything. At some point Mm -hmm. you're going to run out of places to be. Yeah. If you just, you can't keep running from city to city. You can't keep running from state to state. You can't keep, you know what I mean? Like your Mm -hmm. life cannot just be a series of running from space to space. (laughs) Of sprints and marathons. Come on. We become Olympians, right? Not wanting to confront and not wanting to have to face things. So it's like, instead of having to, you know, come face to face with this and admit that this is something that happened, this is how I feel, this is what occurred. It's like, before I acknowledge it, I'll walk away from it, right? We have sometimes this like internal sense of like pride. Like, you know, I'm not going to let someone feel like they broke me, you know? Like, I'm not going to let someone feel like they got one over on me. And so sometimes it's like having to to deal with that. It's easier to just walk away and dismiss it. Yeah. Right. But not really 
dismissing it internally because when we impact it in any way, who we are is hit right at our core, right? And so that impact begins to shape our interactions because I now have what I like to call, I have a dent now, right? And so now my interactions are going to be different based off of the impact of that situation. If we continue to run from things and not really face those things, we'll find ourselves morphing into someone or something that we weren't intended to be, right? You know, and so that's the danger of not confronting and really acknowledging the fact that I was offended, that I was hurt, that I was attacked, that I was abused, that I was betrayed, whatever that offense is that we have to forgive, you know? Yeah. You know, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Jeff Williams, and he was asking about the kind of relationships that you have. And he said, do you have somebody in your life that's a coward? And he said, if you have somebody in your life that's a coward, it means that they don't live the truth and they can't tell you the truth. Mm, And I think when I look back and I reflect on my own life, when I was running from space to space and I was trying to avoid all of this conflict, I was allowing myself to become a coward without taking on the title, right? Like I had all of the characteristics of it Mm -hmm. um, because at some point I am dismissing the truth of the situation, Yeah. I'm telling myself that I'm okay. I'm telling myself that I have moved on. And like you said, like your body don't lie, right? I know what it feels like to have your heart be racing just at the the recollection (laughs) of that thing. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to want to fight all over again at the mention. At the mention. (laughs) At the mention. But it's such a bigger thing. Am I a coward? Am I, am I living the truth? And am I telling myself the truth? Because if I'm not telling myself the truth, listen, everybody else is real hard pressed to get the truth from me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We relive those things, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like when we don't release it, right, according to what, like how we define, you know, forgiveness, if we don't release it, our body is holding on to that. And so that's when we get the sweaty palms and the anxiety attacks and night terrors and, you know, everything associated with it because we're holding on to that. And then our relationships consequently are impacted because now I'm going to look at everyone with this side eye, like who sent you? Right? Like, what (laughs) damage are you trying to come and do? Right? No one gets the benefit of the doubt after we've been hurt. And especially depending on the source of that hurt, right? And generally, it's easier to forgive people that we don't have any sort of relationship connection to, right? So the person in the store bumped me with their car. Oh, okay, no problem. But I don't expect someone that I'm connection with, that I'm in relationship with, that I've, you know, helped out, that we've been, you know, through thick and thin, thought we were thick as thieves. And now you turn around and do this to me. That's harder to forgive. Right? Because I've opened myself up to you and then this happens. So now because of that and that interaction, we now don't open ourselves up to relationships anymore. We, we are very skeptical about calling somebody a friend. The go the girls can go out the window. You know, we're not a friend, travel down the road, back again, whatever, right? <laughs> You're not my pal or my No confidant. pals and no confidants. 
<laughs> so I think that that's something that we also have to acknowledge that a lot of our life is impacted by unforgiveness. It's not just a one person, I'm not forgiving you, but yeah. how is this rippling effect into every area of my life? For right? sure. Listen, you got friend groups you have completely cut off from because it's never just one person, right? It ain't right. never just one person. If it's a bad breakup, I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting your mama off. I'm cutting your daddy off. I'm cutting all your siblings. Don't even just, don't even, don't, just listen. Don't even, okay? If it's a bad boss, I'm cutting the whole company off. Listen, I don't even want nothing from what the, I don't, we all sell something. I don't even want it no more. And neither does my whole family. Nobody's going to want it. Nobody want it. <laughs> like that seed of unforgiveness, it really does yes. mushroom out. It is not an isolated event, no matter how much we want to tell ourselves that it is just a single solitary event. That thing has some rippling effects yes. that we've got to take stock of because mm -hmm. how much can a lifetime take of those kinds of yeah. rippling effects? Yeah. And think that we're going to grow to our greatest self and ascend to our highest height. Mm, not with the baggage though, right? Right. So it's like, how high can we really ascend carrying all of this other stuff, right. right? And so although I've created space, I've created space, but I still have the book bag and everything in it. Not only do I have that book bag from my mama, I got the book bag from my daddy, I have the book bag from the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the boss, and I'm carrying all this luggage yet, telling myself I'm moving on, I'm growing, I'm excelling. But how high are we really able to go? How far are we really able to go carrying all of this stuff? Is that the reason why we're so tired? physically like I can go to sleep but I still wake up tired what am I carrying yeah right what am I toiling with what am I still holding on to that's not allowing me to find rest yeah because it lays in our subconscious whether we want to acknowledge it or not it's there and sometimes Pastor Candace that might be the reason why we get so busy because we don't want to address things we fill our days we fill our lives with all of this stuff trying to sometimes overcompensate or fill spaces or voids that were left by the offense and so now I'm just overextending myself extra busy because Come I don't want to deal with Come on. Come on. That's the truth. You want to talk about something that lies dormant? When you have unforgiveness in your heart and you have approached it with avoidance, you have used avoidance to solve whatever conflict, that thing can pop up at the most inopportune times. You ever had some conflict with somebody, but now all of a sudden you have a business event that you have to go to that's right smack dab in the middle of the thing. You ever have conflict with somebody and you have just as much written them off and then run into them in, in the grocery store? Like that thing will tear your whole day up. Be like, what in the world? None. <laughs> it is literally like building your own minefield. You're putting the mines in the ground. Right, right, right. And then you walking back over them. Yeah, yeah. It's self-sabotaging. Unforgiveness, I think, has a very self-sabotaging component to it. For sure. my unwillingness to forgive puts me in a space of not having the complete freedom and liberty to be who I'm supposed to be, yeah. right? And so because of that, I'll sabotage great opportunities. I'll sabotage great networks, great connections, great people, because I have the anchor 
of that thought of that experience that's holding me to that place. Yeah. I don't care. One thing that I learned about anchors is when they drop anchors on a ship, the ship will still move. It just won't go that far. Mm -hmm. It keeps it from drifting off, but it doesn't stop it from drifting. Mm. And so unforgiveness is an anchor. We'll still move. And the deception in that is because I'm still moving, I'm okay. But we're still anchored in that same space of that hurt, of that offense, of that betrayal, of that abandonment, of that rejection. We're still anchored there. Mm -hmm. And so because we're still anchored there, we have no ability to really move forward. So it's like, are we? And then I think that kind of contradicts <clears throat> our running. Is it running or are we just swaying, right? Are we just like kind of moving in place where we, where we equate our movement to actually being someplace different when we're really, when we assess it, we're in the same place. That's really good. I created this podcast for the people who are genuinely ready to take their life to the next level. And if you are genuinely ready to take your life to the next level, you have got to be genuinely ready to do hard things. Forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. There is no two ways about it and we can't sugarcoat it to make it feel like it's something that it's not. It is not easy. But I'm telling you, for many of us, it is a thing that is standing as a guard to our next place of elevation in life. And all we have to do is bite the bullet, forgive or ask for forgiveness. Because we like to focus on the hurt that has been done to us, but we are not always taking accurate records of the hurt that we impose. Oh, that part. I had this thought, you know what? Some of us just need to sow some seeds of let it go. Mm. We haven't sowed enough seeds of let it go in our own lives. We haven't let enough people off the hook. This is a conversation based on forgiveness and it comes from the scope of a Christian lens because we're both pastors and ministers in the Christian faith. And we believe that there is a law of sowing and reaping. What you put in the ground is what you're going to get back. And some of us need to do a better job at sowing seeds of let it go. Yeah. Because if you sow seeds of let it go, everybody's not going to hold everything against you the way that you're holding it against them. I think too often times we want everybody to pay the piper when they cross us. <laughs> and it's That's like, good. dang, can somebody make a mistake? Right. Can somebody genuinely just be sorry? Can somebody genuinely just have a bad day or be misunderstood and it not be a curated dagger to your heart? Yeah. Mercy. Yeah. When you talk about that idea of letting go, like we say that, but what does that really look like, right? Like what does letting go really mean? Like what are we letting go? And I think because we have this like internal sense of justice in us, this is against everything that I believe, right? Like to forgive you, we have this like, I want justice and I want it now. And so to say forgive is like going against everything that's in me. But that desire, that understanding of having compassion and grace and mercy allows us to be like, okay, what does let it go look like for me? So does let it go means I have to let this anger go. I have to let go of this resentment. I have have mm -hmm. to let go of my feeling of being disrespected. Mm -hmm. I have to let go of this feeling of being minimized, being able to release that mm -hmm. and let that go. Yeah. Right. What I think, because we fear loss, 
we will even fear losing things that don't mean us any good mm. because we don't like empty spaces. Good. So because we don't good. like empty spaces, I need something here. If it's not here, how am I defined? If it's not here, who am I, right? Yeah. If this isn't here, then that, that turns me into a coward. And so if I let that go, what does that mean for me? Come so on. I think we have to find the space or find the understanding of when I let go anger, I embrace peace. Come on. There's an exchange in the let go. Yeah. So that when I so let go, I reap peace. When I so let go, I reap harmony. I reap the ability to be able to flourish, to be able to move forward. So in letting go, we have to understand we're not losing anything. Because I know for me, it was, I'm not letting that go because you will not think that you got that. You won't think it. Like, you won't do no, it. I will remind you every chance I get that, you know, that wasn't cool. I don't like it. I don't accept it. You know, and we harp on those mm-hmm. things because we want <laughs> to be known as I'm not going to be your doormat. Yeah. Right. I'm You're absolutely not, right. That ability yeah. to let go, I think, comes in us understanding what we gain in the release. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. There was a time in my life where I was so afraid of being taken advantage of. I had had a season where I was woefully taken advantage of. And now I'm on the path of correction. But now on the path of correction, nobody is going to even, there's not going to be a hint of it in the air. Nobody's (laughs) going to take advantage of me. Do you hear me? And so I remember looking back at my life and seeing that I overcorrected. Like you said, like with any little thing, I'm like, nope, because that makes me this. I can't let that slide. If I let that slide, then I become a doormat. And I remember it was the Lord really who began to coach me. And he was like, Candace, number one, nobody can take advantage of you because I'm your advantage. I said, oh, that's the thing. Interesting. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yes. And so then the other thing was, he said, what's the difference between being gracious and a doormat? Because there is a place in the middle. We can be super aggressive to the point where nobody's ever going to take advantage of us ever again, or we can be completely compliant and everybody's walking over us. But there is a healthy place in the middle and it is called being gracious. It is called walking in the characteristic of grace. And that means giving people the benefit of the doubt as our first resort, not our last. Yeah. And so the question is, where do I sit in that? Where am I sitting on this spectrum of giving people the benefit of the doubt, being gracious or not letting anybody take advantage of me? Because the idea that you can control to make sure that nobody's going to take advantage of you, I don't know if that is really within your control as much as you like to think. Right. You exerting all of your energy and effort to that end probably creates more harm than it does the good that you're trying to create Mm -hmm. by creating a safe. The idea is that I'm creating a safe place for myself that nobody can violate me. But I don't know that the good is outweighing the negative Mm -hmm. when we're putting all of our resources in that basket. Am I making sense? Am I talking straight? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What say Mm -hmm. you? Well, you know, I had a very interesting interaction with that idea of a doormat, right? Because that was my whole like, you know, you, you're you not going to walk over me. You're not going to take advantage of me. You're not going to talk to me crazy. You're not going to treat me this way. And I had a very, very interesting um, conversation with Jesus about that. And he said to me, well, what if I called you to be a doormat in that season? 
right? And so the doormat is the place where the people wipe their feet off before entering into another place. What if, and you're saying, use me, however you seem to see to use me, what if you're the one that their feet has to be wiped? Like, what if that's it? So how do you say, use me, yet oppose how you're being used? And so I had to come to a place where I didn't seek to always defend and protect myself. And like you said, it was that whole idea of God is my protection. He's the one that looks out for me. He knows what my limits are, right? And so for me, it wasn't so much of fighting against the idea of being a doormat because it's like, okay, what if that's my assignment? for this particular person that, you know, and not in a a derogatory way in which it minimizes who you are as a person and make us feel like trash and all that stuff. But what if their interaction with me had to be that way for them and for what they needed to realize and for what they needed to understand? Now, that's not a popular gospel. However, when we look at our life and the life from a a Christian worldview, Mm -hmm. it has always been the, the space of the believer being in very uncomfortable situations, being in situations that were not the popular place to be, not the popular thing to have to endure. However, you know, there was a lesson in it. There was something that was acquired through that interaction. And so I think that the idea of always fighting certain things puts us in a space of never really winning because we're always fighting and we never know when to stop fighting. So it's Mm. almost like you've won, but you're still swinging. And what happens in those instances, when you've won, but you're still swinging, there's casualties because you'll end up hitting people that have nothing to do with what you're fighting. They were just called into your space. I hope hope it made sense. I love it. You guys, are you enjoying this? I just want to pause for the cause. Are you enjoying this right now? What you just said about needing to be a doormat for a season is so interesting because that is something that we do not like to even consider because society tells us, hey, you're better than that. You're more than that. You're great. Show up, queen. Show up, king. If they can't see your greatness, you walk off. You don't need them. All of those things. But what happens when your purpose in life is to take a harder road? That is something. What if that's your process for development? Those are the spaces that we develop character, that we develop integrity, that we know how, we learn how to treat people, that we get those lessons. So it's like we prepare our children, we prepare those as leaders, we prepare people that we mentor and all that stuff for greatness, but we don't prepare people to fail. And so when hard times come and when it is our season to be the doormat, we automatically catastrophize. We automatically spiral because we were never prepared for the fact that at some point something may happen that doesn't look like I'm going to stand on here with my roses and my medals and collect my bronze, my gold or my silver. Right. And I'm not a runner up. (laughs) And so in, in those spaces, if we don't have those hard spaces, if we don't have those interactions, there are certain things that won't be developed in us. We love diamonds, but they come out of pressed places. We love gold, but they come out of fire. 
Mm-hmm. So we got to think about the development of who we are as a people that come out of those hard spaces. I love it. I love it. That is so true. We grow more from our resistance. We grow more from our low points than we do from our high points. And if you are ready to excel, you've got to not only go through the low point, but you've got to go through the low point in such a way where you are able to extract the gems, mine the value out of the low point. Because sometimes we experience low points, but like Pastor Gia was saying, we take the role of the victim, we label it a catastrophe, and then we walk away only having experienced the low point, but never really reaping the benefit of what that thing was supposed to do in us. Right. We had somebody who put a comment in that I wanted to highlight. They said, the hardest thing for me was forgiving and the other person not accepting. Any words on that? I think in that space, it's understanding you've done your part. Mm -hmm. We're only responsible for ourselves in that space. And so when I've done my part, I'm not responsible for anyone else's reaction or response to me and the decision I've made to forgive or even to seek forgiveness. Yeah. And so it's that same thing. I We received a gift, right? And not everyone takes it. Mm-hmm. Like we received this gift of eternal life. It was given to us, but not everyone accepts it. But Our father isn't walking around mad and striking everybody down because they didn't accept it. Mm -hmm. It's freely given. And I think when we posture ourselves in a pure place that I'm not giving you this or asking you this for you, Mm -hmm. this is for me. This forgiveness journey is personal. Mm -hmm. It's for me. You know, and and that was something that I had to learn in my own personal experience with forgiving. It wasn't for the person I had to forgive. It was so that I could not die of high blood pressure and and everything else that my body was medically going through because of what I was carrying. Right. Right. And so when I understand that my responsibility is not for the recipient, my responsibility is for me. And when I've done my part, I'm able to shake the dust and move forward because I've done my part. And I think that when we're in the place of extending forgiveness, we are doing it for us because we are wanting to be free. We're wanting to experience the liberty that comes with not carrying that around. But when it comes to us asking for forgiveness, that part is not about us. That part is about being your brother's keeper and being your sister's keeper. That part is about caring for somebody else's wholeness and caring yeah. about their healing and caring about their well-being yeah. to the same degree that you care about your own. Yeah, that's good. And sometimes we are more adamant about receiving the forgiveness that's owed to us instead of paying the debt of forgiveness that we owe to others. And we've said it before on this podcast, it is about balanced scales. There's no way that we are going to grow and level up if our scales of righteousness are not balanced and righteousness is just doing the right thing. So if we are going to ask for forgiveness with somebody else, it really does have to come. Like you said before, posture is everything. And it is about putting yourself in that person's shoes. And I don't know if we are as proficient at asking for forgiveness because 
that's not something that we really learn a lot. And it really does take a higher level of empathy and a greater measure of compassion to say, hey, listen, I wronged you. Before you get to the point where you're asking for forgiveness, you have got to reconcile that whether or not you feel like it is warranted, you've got to do it. Because I think a lot of times we ask for forgiveness based on what we feel is necessary. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if you feel like this. I'm sorry if I hurt you in any way, right? Right. If we are keen enough to see the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the frustration, the whatever in somebody, the only thing that is left is for the next person to own it. Hey, listen, I see that I've upset you and I just want to say I am sorry. Right. I see that I have hurt you Mm -hmm. and I just want to apologize because my intention is not to hurt you. Right. Whether or not what you did is small or great or whatever, because, you know, it's only at the point where we have created an offense that we want to dissect exactly what was done and what the intention was and, you know, what caused us to take this Mm -hmm. step and not that step, all this stuff. It don't matter. I see that I've hurt you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's sort it. Yeah. But you know, Pastor Kansas, it's because we condemn in others what we excuse in ourselves. And so we have a grace for ourselves. We understand what I meant. That wasn't, like you said, my intention. Oh, that wasn't what I would, that's not what I meant when I said that. And it's like, we have this grace and we have this cushion for ourselves that we don't extend to others. When someone harms us or or offends us, it's like, were they having a bad day? You know, did they just get news that they didn't want and we just ended up catching the, the brunt of their whole week? We don't immediately look for a means to give an escape, Mm -hmm. right? We don't give escape. We look for ways to capture, right? (laughs) Like you hurt me, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to jail, right? Mm -hmm. We monopoly game people. We don't look for that way of escape. And that's where that whole woman caught in the act of adultery. It was Jesus giving her an escape. You know what I mean? Like she was caught, she was guilty, right? Mm -hmm. But there was an escape. And I think we don't have that, that understanding, that grace for one another to give that escape, to say, you know what? I'm not even going to hold this to your charge, right? Mm -hmm. For whatever reason that happened, it happened. And not immediately building up our walls and fences and everything because you're just such a horrible person. But I think when it comes to us, we want that understanding. We want that grace. We want them to know we're not a bad person. But when we mess up, we mess up. And it takes it takes us swallowing our pride to say, you know what? That, I, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whether they accept it or not, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? You know why I think it's so hard for us to give each other the benefit of the doubt? I think it's because we don't know each other well enough. Absolutely. I think that most of our relationships are so transactional. Yes. That it is impossible to give somebody the benefit of the doubt because in order for me to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, I have to know that your normal character is different than what I'm experiencing. But we don't stay in relationships with each other long enough to be able to say, hey, She's just having a bad day because Mm -hmm. every other day that I interact with her is different. Yeah. So the moment that we have something, the moment that we have an inkling, it's like, well, I'm done. I'm walking away. Ooh. Mm, 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 mm. That's good. 
But that's because we're used to superficial surface interactions with one another. Mm-hmm. We never really allow ourselves to really be open, to be vulnerable enough to let people get to know who we are. Yeah. Right. And to get to know one another, we allow ourselves to kind of have this like shoulder to shoulder. You know, remember how we were in school and we had to line up and you had to put your, your arm on the shoulder of the person in front of you to just make sure that you stayed in line. Like we're still connected, but we're not as, we're not as close. And we will label that as close because my arm is on your shoulder, but I don't know you. I don't know what you like. I don't know what you don't like. I don't know what pushes your buttons. I don't know your history or anything like that. Right. So it's like, we're in these relationships that are very superficial that don't really have any depth to them, Mm -hmm. right? That we don't even really have an understanding of why are we in each other's lives? Like, what is our purpose in each other's lives? You know, so we're going to have a relationship and we're going to really get to know one another. Then it's going to take us being trusting enough of one another to trust each other with who we really are. It's the truth. We show up at the table of our relationships with the best of us, not the part of us that, you know, that's a fearful, that's afraid, that's, that's insecure. That's, you know, people tend to find these things out about us by accident, not because we were open enough in our dialogue with one another to say, this is a space in my life that I'm insecure. Mm -hmm. They find it out when we buy something that they want. And then they start looking at us strange and treating us funny. We're like, Oh, (laughs) that's who you are. But not because we learned how to do relationships well enough that we know them that labor among us. Knowing has an intimacy to it. Right. Right. There's an allowing into a space that is not for the public. Right. Right. And, And all of our relationships are generally the information that we have is what's for the public. And that not is enough so to true. And to, to speak, to say, that's who this person is. Yeah. You know, I know this might've been the action, but that's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we can't advocate for people honestly without knowing who they are. So I come on. This is why the rumor mill is so dangerous because none of us yeah. know each other. <laughs> None of us know each other. So at the hint of anything that sounds interesting, that thing catches fire and it just spreads, 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 spreads. And so the question is, how do we get to this place where we are able to forgive? We have got to, number one, posture ourselves in a way that the relationships that we have are worth preserving. Mm -hmm. Too oftentimes, the relationships that we have, we don't care much about them anyway. We could care less if they come or if they go because right. we really only have them to meet our our particular need. We're not looking right. at a relationship that we can invest in. Mm-hmm. And so if you had to think about the relationships that are in your life, what relationships do you feel like are those that you can invest in? And maybe those are the ones that you should begin to put more of your time and effort into because the ones that you just draw from, they don't have the longevity and you're not going to be able to preserve something that's not properly structured. Right. Right. So that means that we then have to uncover some stuff. We have to unpack some stuff. If we're going to really have relationships that you said that are worth investing in, I need to then uncover, like, what's my motive for these connections? Right. Right. 
Like I need to uncover this stuff and not walk around with this nice, pretty little co covered, you know, wrapped up swaddled like thing and not really knowing like what's going on inside of there, you yeah. know, like why is that all my relationships in like this? Cause we, we have those, like, you know, we talked about it before the end of every year, we see everybody I'm cutting this person off and these toxic people and I'm not taking this into my new year and all of this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. Why is every every relationship that you have, every connection that you have every year, you're cutting people off? Like there's a problem. There's something going on. There's something that's covered up, that's wrapped up, tied up, swallowed up in there that we have to then get to the root of this. What is it? Do you have un, uncommunicated expectations? Do you expect something from people that they don't have the currency for? And, and then when they can't pay it to you, you're now disappointed, feel rejected, dejected and all everything in between because you don't know how to do relationships well, right? So we have to be able to uncover and and stop living a lie. Like we have to learn how to be truthful, right? Like telling the truth. I struggle with X, Y, and Z. And so I may not be able to be a good friend to you today. <laughs> you know, I, I may not, we've got to learn how to tell the truth. You know, so we hide behind our positions, our titles, we hide behind who we are in people's lives. And we don't honestly deal with those things in our lives that have shaped us into the person that we are. Mm -hmm. Right. As a result, everything attached to us is affected by it. Like, yeah. I feel like we gotta stop lying. And I don't say that in a disrespectful way, but I just feel like, you know, who is it Shakespeare said to thine own self be true. If we're going to lie to anybody, we can't lie to ourselves. We can't tell ourselves that we're okay and we're not okay. Right. You know, we can't tell ourselves, oh, that didn't matter to me. And it matters because everything that I do now is to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And so now I'm eggshelling my whole life because I'm trying to avoid something happening again. Right. It's okay to embrace the emotions, the impact that that had on your life. It's okay. Like yeah. that hurt. I think when we were talking the other day and when you asked me, what was the difference between me having to walk through forgiveness now in the space that I'm in and years ago when I first had to kind of really deal with forgiveness? And for me, in this space, forgiveness looked like acknowledging the fact that it hurt because before I over-spiritualized everything and was like, that's just what the Lord wanted me to go through and I'll just go through it. But I didn't really allow myself to feel that and, mm -hmm. and know like, okay, that hurt and be able to tell somebody else that hurt and I'm not okay. Yep. Right? And I think that for me, that's what allows me to be able to walk in forgiveness is that I can acknowledge the fact that it hurt. I can accept the fact yeah. that it happened. Yeah. I love the thing that you said about expectations. And you mentioned it a couple of times about having expectations for people that are not necessarily realistic. And for those of you who have been watching the podcast, we had a guest on last week, Dr. Apopa, and she was talking about five tips to improve your mental health. And she talked about expectations there as well. And she said that if we look at the world a certain way, then our mental health is at risk. And so if we constantly are looking at the world with these high expectations of what people are supposed to be for us and to us, then we are constantly going to be disappointed. And again, I wanna say, it's not about completely losing your expectations because I think that we treat 
these types of changes like a light switch. It's either on and it's at a hundred or it's off and it's at zero. And I don't expect anything from anybody. And that's not healthy either. Right. Right. But it is about realizing that we live in an ecosystem. We live where people are dealing with their own things. They're dealing with their own life the same way that you are dealing with your own life. And so we're giving people slack. Don't make it so that they don't have any margin with any, any step to the right or to the left. And it's off with their head. Give people grace to not be as much as you think that they should be. Dr. Williams Mm -hmm. said that forgive people for not being more, not because they should have been, but maybe that's because you expected them to be. Yeah. There's a difference. Our expectations of people are not real. And so, you know, we have to forgive people for not being more, not because they won't be more, but because our expectations are not, are not real. Right. Right. And they're being all they have the capacity to be. Right. And having that understanding and not, like you said, creating an expectation to have, you're trying to get a 20 ounce fluids out of a 16 ounce bottle. It'll never happen. And so because there is no capacity for that, then my expectation will forever be disappointed because I'm expecting something from someone they don't have the ability to give. Mm -hmm. And that was one space that I had to learn how to forgive my father my biological father in that space because he didn't have the capacity for what I expected from him. Mm -hmm. And because he didn't have the capacity, I was forever disappointed, forever Mm -hmm. angry, had daddy wounds from here to, (laughs) to kingdom come because I had an expectation of him to be something he had the capacity to be. And I think we have to really understand that sometimes what we need, we don't often find it in, the people we expect it to be in, right? It's like, because you're my mother, I expect you to do this. Because you're my father, you're supposed to know that. Because you're my pastor, you're supposed to be. And it's like, but wait, (laughs) there was a human component to this person too. And you have to consider the fact that just because you have this expectation or this desire for it, you can't demand it from something that doesn't have the ability to produce it. Listen right? to me. That is the truth. And the question is, where are your expectations coming from? Hmm. Who told That's you what a father was supposed to be? As right? a child, who informed your expectations of what your father was supposed to be? Who informed your expectation of what your mother was supposed to be? Who informed your expectation of what your pastor is supposed to be? Who informed your expectation of what your friends are supposed to be? If we're honest, a lot of it comes from media. Bill Cosby was the guy when I was growing up. He's the black dad or family matters. You know what I mean? Like we're looking at these idealized images that are informing us and not realizing that those are the things that are building expectations in our heart and mind. We don't just come here with them. We're educated with them. And so we learn them and then we impose them. Listen, it genuinely happens to us all, but we have got to realize that that is what's happening so that I can properly govern myself because everybody's not going to have a golden girls experience. They're not. 
God. And I'm telling you, I am really trying my best. I, I like, I feel like a flipping in me, right? I'm, I'm trying my best. We're, we're, this is a podcast, right? Come on, girl. About, like this idea of like who informed you of what the expectation should be. Sometimes it's not even who it's what, right? That informed us because some of my expectations of people, I expected them to be something I wasn't. And I expected them to fill a void and a deficit in me when it was never their responsibility. So Mm. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a friend. I'm looking for a job to fill something in me that's a void that nothing external will ever be able to fill. And Mm -hmm. because of that, now I'm looking at everybody side-eyed and everybody crazy because you're supposed to be able to make me happy. You're supposed to be able to show up for me. I should depend on you. I should be able to trust you. And I'm projecting all of my insecurities Securities, all of my rejection, all of my feelings of not being enough, mm-hmm. all of that, I'm projecting it on you. That's informing my decision about who I think you should be. Yeah. You should be the one that's here for me and don't leave me like my mother left me. Yes. Right? And so my, my baggage is informing me about what my expectation of you should be. And because you weren't able to be that for me, now I'm offended and you hurt me. And now I'm walking around with unforgiveness that is not valid. Mm. because I expected you to do something that it wasn't your responsibility. Come on. It's not your responsibility to make sure that I feel like I have confidence in myself. Come on. It's not your responsibility to make me feel like, you know, I'm a winner and I can achieve anything. That's not your responsibility. Yeah. And I think our in this informed consent <laughs> that we have is coming from broken places. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming from places that lack wholeness. Yeah. It's coming from places in us that we won't allow ourselves to heal from. And we're expecting people to be this healing balm and this healing sap in our lives that they were, that's not their space. They were called to be your friend and you want them to be, you know, your- your You gotta be my counselor. You gotta be my EMT. You gotta be- You got to be my ATM. Come on. You got to be everything to me. Come on. And and what I've learned is that God knows how to resource our lives. Not one person in our life will be able to be the thing that in our lives for everything. Yeah. Right. There are some people that come alongside of us to support. There are some people that come alongside of us to show us how to do things, but not one person houses everything outside of God. (laughs) Come on. That is a more mature way of looking at relationships. So relationships don't exist to fill the voids in you. Yeah. For some of us, forgiveness is not the first order of business. For some of us, healing is our first order of business. We have got to deal with ourselves. Yeah. And we cannot avoid dealing with ourselves and then put the responsibility on everybody else that's in our circle to fix what we won't fix. Once we are able to do the work, once we are able to focus on our own healing, then we can approach the relationships that we have left in ruins behind us we can work on those being healed, but you cannot bring healing to something when you don't have healing in you. 
And here's the thing, even if all of the people who have ever hurt you came and begged for your forgiveness right now in this minute, do you know that you won't, you would not be any more healed than you are right now? People asking you for forgiveness does not bring you any more healing. You'll be just as broken. We like to think that our healing is contingent on all of these things. But the crazy thing is, and I know this from experience, is that somebody can come back and say sorry and genuinely mean it. And that thing isn't any more fixed in your heart. No. Because there's a part that we have got to play. There are things that we have got to do to walk through the process of healing. Part of that is being honest with ourselves. That yeah. that hurt. Yeah. Part of that is being honest with ourselves. You know what? I should not have expected that of them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And moving forward, this is how I'm going to course correct. Yeah. Because sometimes we'd be like, I shouldn't have expected that of them anymore in the first place. And I ain't never going to expect nothing else from nobody else. <laughs> right. You right. you guys ever, listen, I'm going to put my mama on blast. God rest her soul. God bless her. <laughs> but <laughs> you ever had somebody in your life and you like, you know what, mom? You hurt my feelings right there. And she was like, well, I'm just the worst mother of all times. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Nobody said all of that. I just need you, I don't need you to rue the day you were born. I just need you to, to acknowledge that you hurt my feelings, right? right. And sometimes right. we overcorrect. We go way left, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's just dramatic and we just need to right. just bring it on and just reel it on in mm -hmm. and commit to yourself to giving yourself real solution, real sustainable solution. Because this idea that I'm not going to depend on anybody for anything, that ain't real. That ain't real. And that's not going to get you to the end of your life with anything that you want. Right. So commit to yourself. Number one, to begin to focus on your own healing. Number two, to be honest with yourself. And to three, to give yourself real sustainable solutions. And I say give yourself, right. but... Really, if you are a person of faith, this is where your connection with God comes in because mm. the Lord is the only one that is going to be able to make up the difference where we lack. Mm. Can I, can I add to that or just Please. kind of interject? I think in that space, it becomes difficult for the people that hadn't forgiven God for what they feel he didn't do. And so there's a trust issue that even translates into our interaction and our relationship with God. And while we will walk around very pompous and very religious and very much still quoting scripture and all of that, there's that undercurrent of even God disappointed me and even God let me down. So there's even a level of resistance and reluctance as it comes to allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, even in front of God, the one who made us, the one who knows us, because there are areas of our life that we have translated God's hand as a disappointment, the things he allowed or did not allow. And we walk around offended with God, still doing his work, <laughs> still going to church, still doing all those things that relate to, so we think, to God, but offended with him Come because on. of what we feel he allowed. 
And I can tell you that from my own personal experience, okay, where I said, and I think I said it to you, Pastor Candace, I feel like God chose violence. I feel like God had me in this domestic violence situation where he slapped me across the room and said, come here, let me love you. Oh no, <laughs> we're not doing that, right? And so as much as I love God, I was offended. I was hurt by what I felt like he allowed. And if we're honest, there are some of us that walk, that's why there's all um, sometimes a resistance to even do the things that we were made to do, born to do, called to do, because I have this almost inner rebellion of, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do because you, you let me down last time. And you set me up to fail last time. And you had me making prophetic declarations and doing prophetic acts and doing all of this stuff. And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And everybody watched me be embarrassed. And while we may never have the guts to say that to God, it is definitely the meditation of our heart. Yep. And it shows up in our action. Or it shows up with people who are like, well, I prayed and I asked God for that and he didn't do it. So I'm not going to ask him again. Don't even no. worry about it. Yeah, right? right? It's like that. Don't even worry about it. I believed for it. There was this time I put my faith on it and it didn't come through the way that I thought. Don't even worry yeah. about it, God. I'm not going to do that again. I'm just going to yeah. sort it out my way. You know, yeah. you ever had that where you're asked, you ask somebody for a favor and they say they're going to do it and they don't come through. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to ask that person no more. I'm just going to sort it myself. And I yeah. think that we have been disappointed on a variety of levels and we are counting God out in different areas because we feel yeah. like he did not meet our expectations. Right. Right. And that's what I, I feel and I sense in my heart tonight is that there has to be a restoration of expectation as it relates to God because that's the only way that we're going to be able to embrace and walk in and receive healing in every other area. We have to repair the patches in that relationship. For sure. Right? So that we can really experience the fullness of any other relationship that we have that allows us to be able to walk in forgiveness. Because in any relationship that we're in, we're gonna have to forgive something and not just once, right? But when I'm in a relationship with someone and I love that person, it's not easy to walk away from them. So there's gonna be things that I have to forgive, right? I'm gonna have to forgive the fact that you grind your teeth. Like that bothers me, but I'm gonna forgive it because I love you, right? And so I think, wow, that's another whole idea of being able to love people causes us to forgive them. It really goes back. Like we, I feel like we've really been building on the conversation because yeah. a huge reason why we have a hard time forgiving God is maybe because we don't know him as well as we think. Maybe because our relationship with God is so transactional, transactional that we can't give God the benefit of the doubt. Maybe when he doesn't meet our expectations, we don't go back and say, was what I was expecting outside of the scope of what I should? What is informing our expectations of God? I'll tell you what should be. That is the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that can accurately inform our expectations of what God is supposed to do and be in our lives. But a lot of times culture 
and sayings and quotes on Instagram and quotes on Facebook and micro clips of sermons and comparisons, all of these things inform our expectations of what we can expect from God. And then when things don't pan out according to those expectations, it does bring some real disappointment and some real hurt. But the thing about it is, did God fail us or are we ill-informed? That's good. I ask that because this is a question that I've had to ask myself and a question I often have to ask myself when I feel like God didn't come through the way that I want. Now I got to go back. Now, wait a minute. What did you say exactly? Mm-hmm. What does what does the word say exactly about this? Yeah. Because yeah. one thing I do know is that the word of God says he cannot lie. He can't lie. He cannot lie. So <laughs> if he cannot lie, then there's a misunderstanding. And I tell you what, 10 times out of 10, the misunderstanding is not on his part. It's not. It's on my part. Right. When you talk about that idea of like, did God fail us or <laughs> were we ill-informed? It reminded me of a time I was mad at God. You know, I don't know why. It'd be like that. Me. I don't know if he still talk to me because, you know, I've been that child. But I was upset with God because he had given me a word concerning my cousin, right? And he said, you know, I'm going to use his life and many will come to know me through him. Yeah. And so my understanding of that was, and I told my cousin, you're going to preach the gospel. <laughs> and God is going to use your life to evangelize people. And you're going to turn the world upside down for the glory of God. And I gave him the word of the Lord. And I stood on that word. Come on. Right. So he gets in a car accident and they're like, it's not looking good. Me. I know what God said. He's not going anywhere because he didn't do that yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I leave the hospital and I go to work. because I know what God promised me. I know what he told me about this boy. And so I had to work. My aunt says, you need to get back here. I go back to the hospital and I watch my cousin die. And I walked out of the hospital and I said to God, you lied to me. You told me that many would come to know you through him. How is he going to do that? And he's headed to the morgue. And I was angry and I felt like, God, you didn't, you shouldn't have told me that if that wasn't what you were going to do. And I mean, I had this righteous indignation, like you said, you don't lie. And my aunt said to me, you have to eulogize him. And I'm like, what, (laughs) what do you mean? And so here I am standing and standing over his casket, talking about time, sharing the word of the Lord, preaching the word, right? And at the end of his service, the number of people that flooded that altar to give their life to Jesus, even after the committal to the ground and I was home leaving the house, a young lady ran up to me and said, I didn't get to make it to the altar. I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And I got in the car and the Lord said to me, I didn't lie to you. I did not tell you how I was going to bring several to him, to me through him, but I did it. And so sometimes we can receive something and create our own picture of what that's going to look like, of how that's going to play out. 
And because I created my own picture, I created my own expectation of what I heard, of what I sensed, of what I felt. And when it didn't happen that way, I felt like, God, you let me down. And he's like, no, I didn't. I just didn't, I just didn't do it the way you pictured it, mm-hmm. but it was still accomplished. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think for some of us, probably all of us, right? When we get in those spaces of disappointment with God, it's like, <laughs> what picture did we paint? Yeah. And even with the movie, and I, I say it to like, you know, to those that I mentor and stuff like that all the time. It's like, listen, do you know how long they film movies and, and how much content they have? But all of that is subject to the editor's cut. And the editor can look at it and say, oh, yeah, that part is, oh, we got to cut that. Oh, oh we got to cut that. So we got to be okay when God cuts scenes out the movie. But, but it's the end. Like, do you know how much content is cut out to get the actual picture? And yeah. so we got to be okay with the fact that, you know, he's the editor and he knows what he's doing. That is so true. And I just want to encourage those who are watching and those that will listen to this at a later time to go back and to really search your heart and search your recollection to what God really said. It is so common for us to put our understanding, what we hear, like we do it all the time. We do it in all kinds of relationships. So like if somebody says, hey, I'm getting ready to come to the house, in my mind, you're on your way and they might still be in bed, right? So we're saying things, but but both of us have two different understandings and expectations and, and are in different places of execution for what they mean. And I think, and I, I don't mean any disrespect by this, and I don't even mean for it to sound flippant, but I think that we give ourselves way too much credit for understanding what God is saying, like understanding what God meant when he said what he said. Ooh, yes. I only know this from my own errors. <laughs> I only know it. Now I'm a lot more careful. I'm a lot more considerate because I'm like, okay, God, I hear what you're saying, but I ask more questions. What what yeah. does that mean? What exactly are you saying? Before I was just so happy to hear something that not only I was happy to hear it and happy to share it, right? So God says two words to me. And now I'm a, I'm a little canary. I'm singing it. Well, you know, the Lord said this, you know, the Lord said this, I don't really have a full understanding of it myself, but I'm telling everybody that will hear me what the Lord said, because I feel good that I heard it. Right. But did I get it? Did I understand it? Yeah. And so sometimes when the Lord speaks, it really is number one, it should be a conversation. It could be a dialogue. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But what are what else are you saying? Like, is there, you know, should I make an adjustment? Is yeah. there something that I need to be, um, you know, <laughs> because Pastor Pastor Gia, I listen, I had a very, very similar experience to you. My brother, um, the day after his 29th birthday, died suddenly. And he was, um, he was sick before that, but he wasn't sick enough to die. Mm -hmm. And somebody came in and gave me a prophetic word about my brother. And they were like, you know, I just hear the Lord saying that he has him and that all will be well. So I'm like, okay, cool. Great. Mm -hmm. So when they called me and they were like, we can't get in touch with him. I'm like, the Lord's got him. All will be well. I didn't realize that the Lord had him. 
had him. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh my. Wait a minute. What? You want to talk about feeling blindsided? You want to f- talk about feeling gut punched? Like what? Yeah. yeah. What? And I'm telling you, we have got to begin to work through those things. Those yeah. are not just things that you just move on from. No. You cannot move on from them because it, like we said, the ripple effects impact way too much else. Yeah. We cannot afford for our relationship with God to suffer those kinds of blows when he is the healer. Yeah. Right. He is the healer. He is Mm -hmm. the redeemer. He is the one that says that I cause all things to work together for your good. He is the only one that can take a bad ingredient and turn it into a good product. Yes, yes, yes. So we cannot afford to allow those moments to hurt our connection with God without them being remedied. Because that is the only relationship that can recover in its fullness before anything else, right? Like we cannot achieve a level of healing and wholeness or forgiveness anywhere else until that thing is right. Yes. We are over time tonight. Amazing. This has been amazing. I agree. Mm. If you have enjoyed this conversation tonight, please leave a message in the chat and let us know. Um, If you did not get a chance to share this with somebody that you love, please, please, please share this with somebody you love. Um, Yeah. This is such a great conversation. And again, there's no way that we could even touch the full scope of it. So I'm sure I will have Pastor Gia back on here. If not talking about forgiveness, talking about something else that's just as good. So thank you guys for watching tonight. Before we head out of here, Pastor Gia, I know that you are launching a brand new mentorship program. (laughs) And so I want to make sure that we take a moment so that you can share about that. Thank you. So um, I am, yes, I am launching Deborah Space. Deborah Space is a, a mentoring group program for the everyday woman that does extraordinary things. My desire is to walk alongside and support women that are in leadership and executive roles and find themselves either the executive of their home or the executive of an organization, but being able to provide support and community and a safe space for women to grow, to evolve, and to continue being the dopest. I know that's probably not even a word. (laughs) Species that walks the earth. And so um, during our program, it's a six-week program that we will be together doing group mentoring, creating networks and community to be able to grow, to develop, and to enhance the Deborah anointing and grace that's on your life. So thank you for the opportunity to share that. And if you would like to become a part of that group, you can register at projectme.com coursestorm.com projectme.coursestorm.com and get into that program. We would love to have you. Take that information down and invest in yourself. Invest in your growth because you are worth it. 
Your life is worth it. Your growth and your elevation is worth it, guys. I encourage you to take stock in what we've talked about tonight. Start dealing with yourself, you and God first, and then sort out everybody else, all of these other relationships, all right? I love you so much. Have a great night. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E-L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment on YouTube.